RPC Sermons Podcast. Today's episode is a special episode from our Facebook Live series entitled Closing the Distance. These are unscripted conversations with the pastors of RPC and various special guests reflecting on topics from our ongoing sermon series. If you're interested in learning more about this community of faith, visit roswellprez.org. Well, hello. How are you? I'm good, Carrie. How are you? I'm doing well. And you've said my name for me, but just in case people don't know who I am, I'm Carrie Weatherford. I'm one of the pastors at RPC. And each week we have a time where we call it closing the distance. And one of the pastors will interview uh, the preaching pastor of the week to dive a little deeper into the sermon topic and, um, and have some good discussion and conversation about it. And so this week, you preached, you continued to preach on our sermon series, Fruit of the Spirit, and the the fruit that we looked at this week was peace. So I want to kind of start at a definition level. So my question for you is, how do you define the kind of peace that we're talking about? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think the biblical uh, definition of peace, so, you know, in the Old Testament, it would have been in Hebrew, be shalom. And in the New Testament, it would be irene uh, in Greek, where we get the word irenic from in English. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a, a bigger vision of human life creation than just the cessation or the absence of conflict. Mm-hmm. It has to do with well-being, prosperity, a harmony, a tranquility, um, this kind of this the way things are meant to be um the way that god set out for the world to work um and that's that's really what peace means and so trying to expand our minds then just like uh we we tend to i think think like um peace between nations that two countries that were at war now there's no war well it's more than that it means are the people being taken care of do people uh have health care do they have food do they have safety um and that's more of the piece that i was trying to talk about on sunday and it's the fruit of the spirit so that um it's not just let's say uh let's say between you and me we work together let's say we get in a fight okay we're arguing we're fighting over you know the sharing of paper clips well just because (laughs) we stop fighting about it doesn't mean we're at peace but peace is really how do we learn to work together where I affirm you and your gifts and support you. You affirm me and support my gifts. We help each other out when we need it. That's more of a vision of peace uh, than maybe just the the absence of conflict. Yeah, absolutely. Just for the record, you can borrow any of my paper clips anytime you need to. Well, Carrie, but... you know, it was on my mind because I like the big paper clips. Like when I use my sermon notes and stuff, like, 
I can't be worrying about finding the little, like to take the little paper clip off my, mm-hmm. my notes. And it's hard to find the big paper clips in our office. So I've got, I've got a little private stash. If you need to borrow them, <laughs> let me know. Good to know. I do like the giant ones as well. Yeah. Um, well, so let me ask you, because I, I love how you described that and described the piece that we're talking about. And it's, it um, transcends that it's, it's more than the absence of conflict. But I do feel like there is a lot of conflict in our world. There's a lot of division. There's a lot of hatred. And um, I think those kinds of things threaten peace. So how do we go about, or how would you suggest we go about finding peace um, in this world that is in a kind of a constant state of chaos and um, conflict? There's really yeah. not a place that, I mean, I know, I feel like in, in, in my life, I can't look around and say, oh, there is every place in my life has the absence of conflict. Uh, or uh, so there's always conflict yeah that's a great that's a really great question um i think okay so the kind of piece i think so the kind of piece i'm thinking of is the piece that we find through conflict not not avoiding conflict so a lot of us are conflict avoiders and one of the things i've had to learn through some therapy was avoiding, let's say with my wife, avoiding conflict in the long run is not really helpful. Like mm-hmm. we, we can avoid it, but it's still under the surface. And eventually, oftentimes she's got to say, hey, Jeff, what, you're sa- what you said really hurt my feelings or what you're doing is not helpful. And so we have to wrestle with that, sometimes argue, and then we find peace on the other side and we reconcile. And then it's like the air is clear. We feel much better. And I mm-hmm. things I don't know your theory um, about this, Carrie, but like I've t- I tell people like, you know, are you going to fight in front of your kids? And I think a lot of people say, I my my wife and I will we're not we're not going to fight in front of the kids. And I'm like, well, sometimes you need to fight in front of your kids to show them what healthy conflict looks like. That how you you can have a disagreement and conflict of one thing or another, and make it through it to find a healthy peace on the other side. And I think yeah. we want our young people to learn those skills. And so we have to demonstrate them. And first, we have to learn them for ourselves. What do you think about that? No, I completely agree. In fact, I, I feel like we talk about this all the time in premarital counseling. I say it's not the absence of conflict. You you are going to have conflict in your marriage. It's learning how to resolve that and resolve it in a healthy way, a way that um, is respectful, a way to, to wrestle with it so that you can move through it and then you grow from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And certainly, and and you do, I mean, the hope is to find peace on the, the other side. And so I think that I, to, I completely agree with you. Yeah. And I think like any like healthy relationship, we're talking about, you know, the marital relationship, mm-hmm. but with friends, with our kids, with, um, with our, with people we work with, it's, like, how do we retain who we are, our own opinions, ideas, thoughts, perspectives, and let other people retain their own unique identities, mm-hmm. thoughts, perspectives, ideas, and come to a place where we can we can argue at times, we can disagree, mm-hmm. and that means we don't take a person because we're trying to achieve a greater peace, a higher peace. 
Um, right. And that's tough work. But I think uh, I think the scriptures show us uh, how to do that in a healthy way. Absolutely. And I think what and that's the fruit, right? When we do that work, that's then what we achieve is that peace. Um, and, and we talked actually yesterday, you talked about not yesterday, it was two days ago, two days ago in your sermon, uh, you talked about, uh, Paul's letter to the Philippians and, um, and he talks about a peace that surpasses understanding. And, um, I'd like to, cause there's the work of the spirit in us that produces this, this peace here on earth, the fruit of the spirit peace, but there is that deeper peace that comes from Christ, that peace that surpasses understanding. Um, I'd love for you to just talk a little bit about what that means to you. Yeah. So, and so what I was trying to explore on Sunday, and I, it took me a long time to really wrestle and kind of figure out what I thought Paul was talking when he talks about surpassing understanding mm -hmm. is that, okay, so the fruit of the spirit are fruit of the spirit that's let's say in my heart or my life the spirit of god now what is the theological truth of the spirit's presence in my life that leads to me feeling peaceful okay and my thing was i think it's having our faith our trust our existential um kind of commitment to what we fundamentally believe about our lives placed in the right place and so mm -hmm. i think it's um that I've been reconciled to God in Jesus Christ. Okay? And that's what I put my faith in. And therefore, I don't need to find my identity in pride, uh, prestige, wealth, whatever. Okay, Anything else that might try to usurp my faith in, and it would be misplaced. Okay, Now, <laughs> and this is uh, what I, I, it was kind of a throwaway comment. Um, and I really, I, there was a version of the sermon when I, where I went like on a 15 minute digression of <laughs> what philosophers call direct or basic belief. But, you know, since, um, I mean, the enlightenment, there's been, there was this movement in philosophy to say, what can we fundamentally believe? What can we, as human beings, what is the foundation? Okay. And it's called foundationalism and pretty much in post-modernity. We say there is no foundations, okay? So like Descartes, he was famous for saying, I think, therefore I am. That's how I know I exist. I, And it's a very kind of um, empty view of human life that I'm just a thinking being, okay? And so basically it's called post-foundationalism, that there is no foundation, that eventually I have to say, this is what I believe. This is what I trust. And for... And that's a direct or basic belief. And somebody, when somebody say, well, why do you believe it? I can say, well, you know, I've got the Bible. Um, I've seen, I've got the evidence of other lives. I've got, you know, this, but they might say, well, I don't believe the Bible or I don't, uh, there's a ton of lives that don't work. There's many hypocrites in the church. There's Christian. I, I don't believe that. And I, then eventually they go, well, why do you believe? Why do you believe that? And finally you just go, I don't know. It's, mm -hmm. it's what I've taken a risk on. And I use the image of the tightrope that eventually you got to get on the tightrope. And so, um, so that's kind of what I think of surpasses understanding that it's a risk, but mm -hmm. risk based on, I have evidence and reasons, but not those reasons and evidence, not everybody might agree with them. But for me, that's what I've taken. I've risked my risked it all on. 
Okay. That's where I put my faith. And one of the fruits of that I've received of that is I find peace. That God's peace is in my heart. Now I've, I've taken the risk. And now I realize I don't have to achieve my identity. I don't have to achieve my, my worth. But it's given to me uh, by God and Jesus Christ. So that's kind of what I think Paul's referring to um, in that passage by peace that surpasses all understanding. I love that. And I think, and you highlighted this in the sermon too, is that, you know, when Paul's writing that, it's not because he's, you know, you know, looking out at the water, having, you know, just enjoying this peaceful time. He's in prison. He yeah. is, he is not in a good place. It, it is a, a peace that comes from God and knowing that his identity is not there as this prisoner, but as, um, as, a child of God, as someone, as a disciple of Christ, that was his identity. And that's where his peace came from. And, yeah, I, and I, think, I, like, I think a lot of people, that's why I try to highlight that fact that like, Paul's a guy like us, like, like I remember Carl Barth's got this great line where he says, I think somebody asked him like, how should we, how should we interpret Paul? Or, or, and mm -hmm. he says, he says, when we read Paul, we should think of as if we were reading our own thoughts that Paul is, Paul's like us. He's got cares, concerns. Um, and so like, this isn't coming like, you know, from, he's like floating on a cloud, like with a cherub and a violin. No, he's in the dirt. He's it's earthy spirituality. And I think that gives me comfort that like, okay, he's saying experience peace in the midst of a very unpeaceful time. Mm -hmm. he said, he's encouraging us continue to strive for peace, even though a lot of times we're not going to feel it. I, I so appreciate that. And I do think it's striving for that, even when we don't feel it. And I think there's a lot of times where we don't feel it because of circumstances, but we're striving for it. And we're striving to uh, do the work that God has called us to do to achieve that, that fruit of the spirit, right? That gift that comes from working together to pursuing harmony, to working through conflict, to all of those things. We're, we're pursuing peace. It's a very active thing very much so like love is an active thing yeah it's not yeah, and I think, um, there was a version of the sermon that i could have done that would have been different that would have started that would have talked more about paul at the beginning of the passage in chapter four where he talks about bring all your in prayers and all your supplications to god and i think we could have talked about okay i i feel anxiety and worry in my life how do my spiritual practices of prayer um, meditation, um, uh, Thanksgiving, like how do I bring those? And, and as I, as I'm a prayerful person, how does that bring peace? As I kind of say, God, hear all my cares and concerns. They're yours now. And I start to experience peace that I didn't before through my prayer life. And I, I had a little bit of regret when I was, when I was reading, um, before, you know, before the sermon, I read the passage to the congregation going, golly, maybe I should have focused on these other verses because <laughs> what I'm about to say, maybe yeah. people don't find practical or whatever. So I think prayer is such an important part of uh, our life, uh, spiritual lives and finding peace. Absolutely. I, and I, I totally agree. I, I think too, even thinking back to Sunday, you know, we were, and you said this, this is, I happened to be there with you before the 815 service and there was lots going on and some chaos and it did not feel peaceful. And 
I, I appreciated that what we did in that space, as we do before worship every week, but it was like, let's take time and we know we need to pray right now so that we can continue to pursue that, that piece yeah. and, and, um, and really, really faithfully do that. So yeah. I, I appreciated that. And I appreciated too, how you were really honest with, with the congregation. Hey, this circumstances, I'm not coming necessarily from a peaceful place, but we're, we're working to do that. We're allowing the spirit in, we're trying to give these things to God. Yeah, absolutely. I think like, I don't know if you feel like this, Carrie, but a lot of times I like, I feel like this in a sermon, I'm like preaching to myself. 100%. Yeah. Like, you know, you're like, well, you spend all week, like meditating, thinking about, and you're in your own head oftentimes about this stuff. And so naturally you're going to be gravitating towards questions you have, problems you're wrestling with. Mm -hmm. And so it was funny uh, that's how, before the 815 service to, to be kind of like frazzled and say, okay, I don't feel very peaceful now, but we're going to talk about peace and nobody else may appreciate it, but I'm going to appreciate it. And I'm going to learn from it. Exactly. And I think, and, and it's one of those continual things. We're continually learning and growing. We're continually um, trying to bear that fruit of peace that God calls us to in the world um, and, and share that with others. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so I, has there been a, actually, before I go on to this question, this is something that you just said a minute ago that I, I wanted to pause and have you highlight. You did say it in the sermon, but I think it's important to say here as well, because you just talked about um, that, that part at the beginning um, of chapter four, where it's, you know, cast, so the beginning of four, but casting your anxieties on to Christ, giving everything to God. Yep. And that's so important. And we know that that God wants us to do that, that we aren't in this alone, that we can cast our cares on God. But that doesn't, that type of care and worry and anxiety that you're talking about is, is different from some of the ways we use the word anxiety. I'd love for you to share what you shared at the beginning of your sermon, just to clarify for everybody what you mean there. Yeah, and I wanted to be very clear um, and highlight that when I used the word anxiety, I was talking um, about a theological existential kind of anxiety. So W.H. Auden has a famous poem, uh, The Age of Anxiety. Um, Kierkegaard talks about uh, um, anxiousness and anxiety. And I want to talk about more of that kind of anxiety, not the kind of anxiety that we talk about now that, that a mental health expert um, that you might need special treatment for, uh, medication. Because uh, I know a lot of people that struggle with that kind of anxiety. And that needs to be wrestled with with mental health professionals, of which I am not. Um, that's not my training. And I'm more of, I think, a theological kind of anxiety about my attachment to this world, to things, um, mm -hmm. worries, and things where I, I can pray. And, that, and, and in my prayer life, it helps. Whereas the anxiety we talk about where, you know, brain chemistry, um, these kinds of things, prayer, it, it can help in a lot of ways, but you need treatment, you need help. Um, and so I want to be very clear because I think, um, I, I think there's a lot of people that, that, that maybe need mental health help that mm -hmm. feel like they're lacking spiritually or they've done something wrong or God doesn't love them. 
and that's not what I'm talking about. That that is not your problem. Okay? That's <laughs> that's that's not the resolution. It's, it's praying more. Um, <laughs> uh, and I want to be very clear because I think there's some misunderstanding between the two, and I I want people who are struggling with anxiety to be able to discern um, the difference between the two and to get the right help that they need um, to relieve that anxiety. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you said, and and I appreciate this because I think it's important that we highlight, you know, if you struggle with anxiety or depression or anything like that, it does not mean that God doesn't love you or that something is, is wrong with you. We, we all have these, um, all have these struggles and different struggles. Everybody has different struggles, but it's yeah. important to, to really be clear about that um, as well. Yeah. So, I, so I, think- I appreciated that, that you, that you highlighted that. I think it's important. I think it's important to um, delve into that too. When you are reading the script, the scripture to say that, you know, that we're talking about this theological kind of mm-hmm. piece and these worries that are happening. And I think there's just, Unfortunately, the church has often not helped um, in discerning the difference between these two and mm-hmm. have made people feel a lot of guilt and shame about mm-hmm. mental health issues. And it's like, no, y'all, this is we there are people that are trained to deal with this. We have um, you know, uh medicine that helps. Let's take full advantage of that. Um, from the wisdom we have from our medical professionals. And as a pastor, I'm dealing with something else. And I, mm-hmm. I don't have to that. And I will, if you come to me, I will, and I've done it many times. I've helped get connect people to psychiatrists, psychologists, therapists, counselors. They can mm-hmm. really help. Um, I'm talking about a spiritual, theological um, condition that we're, we all have. Absolutely. Well, I do. I have a question for you, and and I don't know if you'll have an answer or want to answer this. Oh, good. Uh, this is spicy. This. So, <laughs> has there been a time where you have been in a situation where you have allowed, um, maybe not even intentionally, because for me, I know it's not necessarily intentionally, but you've gotten caught up in something that's just really given you a lot of fear or worry, and you didn't take it to God, but you see, you look back now and think, gosh, I see how, how God was at work there. I have a deeper understanding, or I wish I had, had given it to God a little bit more or trusted God more, or, um, maybe how have you, uh, learned when you are in those situations, if you don't want to necessarily spill the tea on, on the time that, that you didn't are, have you learned okay, I know that I'm feeling this way. What are those things that maybe you recognize now? I am feeling this way. I'm not producing peace. This is not a fruit that's coming. I need I need to switch gears. Yeah. So there's two different questions. You can pick which one you want to answer. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I let me give you two answers. So the first is I remember I was in a relationship off and on with um, – a gal in uh, college and we broke up it seemed like every three to four months and and then I would go and then I would feel you know I'd be fine for a week or two and then I'd be oh my gosh I miss you so much and, and I, I I couldn't deal with the unsettledness of peace in a healthy way and go oh 
um, you know, you need to pray about this. Maybe you need to like be content because then I'd run back for an easy solution and it ended up hurting her in the long run. It ended up hurting me and cause it was just unhealthy. Okay. But I did it again and again. And my buddies, I have friends who are just like, what are you doing, man? Like get a grip. Like, oh my gosh. I miss her so much. No, man, like push through and you're going to be okay. Okay. Could have saved myself a lot of uh, a flag. And that was just, it was very unhealthy. And I'm, I'm, I think about it and I'm telling you right now, is just like a part of my confession of, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> you know, so embarrassing. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe that was me. But that was 20 year old Jeff. Now, mm -hmm. when I remember when I first came, my first call out of a uh, seminary, you know, this is, uh, 06, I guess it was, I was given uh, evening service, mostly for young adults. And I was, had to preach every week. And, and I was so nervous, Carrie. It was mm -hmm. like, I, it was debilitating. And mm -hmm. it was, I remember somebody, um, a fr uh, uh, Brendan Breed, who, he came to hear me one time. Now I was a professor at Columbia Seminary. Yep. Afterwards, he was like, man, are you okay, dude? Like, you seem so nervous. And all of a sudden, I got this. I was like, oh, no. My nervousness, my unsettledness, my anxiety about being up in front of people, uh, my fear was getting in the way of people hearing the message. Mm -hmm. And I realized, I was like, and I tell this uh, to young preachers all the time. I'm like, and I, I made a joke about fake it till you make it. Well, or <laughs> fake it till you make it. Well, I was like, I got to fake it till I make it. Like, and so, and so sometimes... You'll hear, I'll be like really loud when I start a sermon. And that was the way I trained myself. I was like, you've got to kind of shout through the fear. Mm. You've got to get over it. And the only the way I could do it, get over it was not being quieter. It was being louder. And it was like, fear, I'm not going to let you get the best of me. <laughs> and people were like, wow, okay, okay, Jeff, settle down. But that's not what I had to do. And, and over time, I found peace. Uh, beyond the anxiety and the fear, but it took a lot of work and kind of faking it till I made it. Um, and eventually now I, I, I don't fear, feel ne nearly as much fear as I used to. <laughs> Which is a good thing. Yeah, since, for all of it's us. your job. Uh, but, I, but I appreciate that because it would have been easy to figure out how, how am I going to not do this every week or how, you know, avoiding it or saying, you know, maybe this isn't for me because I'm, I am in this state. I have this fear and this worry and it's almost debilitating, but you, you knew you were called and you continue to be faithful and work through that. And, um, and, and to bear peace, not only in your own life, but for others, as you're sharing this message, you, that's what you want to, uh, you know, that's a message that you want to send out. You want other people to experience that, but you had to do that, that work of moving through an uncomfortable, uncomfortable situations or things that were scary, you know, yeah. in the moment. Yeah. So, and I was competitive as heck. So <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to let this get the best of me. <laughs> yeah, no, but I, 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 I think that that's important though, to yeah. note that, okay, I really, I'm, even noting that it's a competitive spirit, that it takes this part of you to say, listen, I'm really going to wrestle with this. I'm going to go all in. I'm not, you know, I'm not afraid to do the work. And I think as, as Christians, as disciples, as followers of Christ, 
living this life or doing the things that God calls us to doesn't, it doesn't always feel peaceful. Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's can be scary. And that's not just, if you're going to go, go into ministry, that's God calls us all to many different paths that are often uncomfortable and don't necessarily feel super peace filled. But yet when we continue to follow and be faithful, that peace of Christ does that, that fills us, but we have to, we have to continue to work. We have to continue to allow God to work in that, in us and be open to how God's stretching us and growing us. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for sharing that. I know I put you on the, the spot to be vulnerable and share those things, but, but I think it's, it's good to hear it. And it's, especially for people as we, you know, we all are called to different things at all different times of life, but to be reminded that it's mm-hmm. sometimes when God calls us, it's, it can be, it can be a little bit scary. Yeah. Often it is. <laughs> often it is. Well, thanks so much for this time, Jeff. So I, I would love to end by hearing if there's anything interesting that you've been reading or watching or anything that you has been kind of an interesting thing for you in the past week or so. Yeah, well, that's a good question. Kira, oh, I, I want to highlight, I was talking about direct or basic beliefs. If folks mm-hmm. are the, kind of that philosophical kind of orientation, from a Christian philosopher's perspective, I'd recommend um, Alvin Plantiga's Warranted Christian Belief, um, which okay. is a kind of philosophical defense of the rationality and the reasonableness of Christian faith. Uh, he's an analytical philosopher. Uh, out of Calvin and Yale, uh, very smart. I think if people are interested in kind of philosophy, I think it's a really helpful uh, helpful book they might want to explore. Uh, you know, I feel like with the writer's strike now in Hollywood, you know, there's like not a lot of new content out there. So my wife and I, we've been watching The Americans, um, re-watching it, which is a fantastic show. Carrie Russell uh, stars, um, you know, she and her husband, are in Washington, D.C. They're, uh, they've kind of infiltrated the United States. They're KGB uh, uh, agents and spies, but uh, they blend in with Americans. Uh, it's just so good. It's, it's really good, full of like kind of 1980s espionage. And so we've really enjoyed that. Um, and, and then, you know, we've got football starting up. So I'm excited about sports kind of getting going. We watched the FedEx Cup this past weekend. Um, saw Victor Hovland just, I mean, have go on just a tear the past couple of weeks. Win about 18, it's like 20 some odd million dollars. I was like, that's a, that's a successful couple of weeks. It's very successful. To, if you need somewhere to tithe, uh, I've got some ideas. <laughs> we have one idea. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Clear. We have one idea. <laughs> that's right. No. Yeah. That's great. Well, thanks so much, Jeff. I have enjoyed this time and, and diving a little deeper into to peace and that fruit of the spirit. Awesome. Thanks, Carrie. I'll see you soon. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.